I'm Whitney. I'm Danielle. And we are the founders of Sakara Life, on a mission to nourish your body and transform your life. Sakara is a Sanskrit word that describes the action of turning your thoughts into things and manifesting your reality. We believe that who we surround ourselves with, what we watch, what we listen to, what we eat, the information that we take in, impacts the way we think and therefore who we are. The conversations that follow are with bold thinkers who have had an impact on how we view the world, ourselves, and what it means to live the Saqqara life. The intention of these conversations is to push each of us to greater heights so that we can turn our thoughts into things and all shine our light a little brighter. We are so excited to be on this journey with you. Welcome to the Sakara Life. Also, please note we are recording from our homes via Zoom, so please forgive us for any sound issues. Okay, I am personally so excited to have this guest on today. He influenced um, my way of thinking about food and ultimately how I healed my skin. He was a, a big part of my thinking around food and nutrition and part of that journey to clearing my skin. He was certainly one of the first dermatologists we had come across back when we started Sakara that was talking about whole body wellness and how that impacts skin health and appearance. You know, I remember going to the dermatologist with you so many times and nobody, none of them ever wanted to admit or agree that lifestyle choices and dietary choices impacted your skin. I would specifically ask, does it have something to do with what I eat? And they would say, oh no, that whole thing about pizza and chocolate causing acne is not true. It's a myth. And they thought that only pizza and chocolate caused acne and nothing else. <laughs> right, right. But I think that Dr. Murad, who we have today, he was thinking about food on a much deeper level. It wasn't just about greasy pizza making your skin greasy. It was about total body wellness and about how the health of your skin reflects the health of your of your body, what's going on inside. Well, we are so excited to welcome Dr. Howard Murad. He is a pioneer in the field of beauty nutrition and has been dubbed the father of modern wellness. A board-certified dermatologist and associate clinical professor at UCLA's Geffen School of Medicine, Dr. Murad has personally treated over 50,000 patients. He used his hands-on knowledge to found his namesake skincare line in 1989, making it the first clinical skincare line on the market. While he is most widely known for topical skincare products, his research is rooted in an inside-out philosophy, focusing on the link between nutrition and aging, beauty, and health. His writings on cellular hydration were an inspiration for both Whitney and I in the early days of building out Sakara's nutrition philosophy, and we are so excited to have him here today. Please welcome Dr. Mirad. We wanted to first welcome you to the Sakara Life podcast, and thank you for taking the time to join us today. As Danielle had said before when we were chatting, that your philosophy, your education and knowledge that you put out into the world was some of the knowledge and information that we were reading when we were first forming Sakara. 
And so we're very excited to have you on the podcast and to be speaking to you like this. Thank you. So we like to start out with asking you about your personal mission. What, what do you feel like your mission is here on earth? My mission is pretty simple. I want everybody that I touch to live happier, healthier, more fulfilling lives. And how did you get to this mission? Was it always something that you wanted to do or was it something that you arrived at? I think it was an evolution. Maybe I was just born with it. I don't know. But it evolved, you know, just like it did with you. you. You went through challenges and things happened and you go here and you go there and life takes you through different, different staircases and, and different mountains and different hills and different valleys and you get to a point in your life. I say to people, make your mission on life and let it direct you because you don't know where it's going to direct you. You don't know where it's going to start, where it's going to end and what's going to happen along the way. But really, a lot of it is up to you. A lot of it is up to you when you see these challenges. We were just talking earlier, turn obstacles into opportunities was one, is one of my favorite sayings. And the idea is sometimes things happen for a reason. That's beautiful. So can you paint the picture a little? How did you get into dermatology? And what made you choose that field? It's an interesting road that I traveled to get into dermatology. My brother, who was a pharmacist, said, you know what, you like science, why don't you become a pharmacist? At least when you're done, you'll have a job, you learn something, you're going to make a difference in people's lives, and it's a good opportunity, which I did. But in the back of my mind, I kind of said, well, maybe I could be a doctor, but you know what, those other people who are doctors are probably a lot smarter than me, and I'm probably not going to be good enough, but I probably shouldn't try. But studying for finals with one of my friends at pharmacy school, his uncle, who was a a physician in California, I was living in New York at the time, Far Rockaway, Queens, came to visit and was saying how wonderful it was to be in California and how great it was and we should go to medical school there and apply and this and that. And so he convinced me to apply knowing that I probably wouldn't get in, but I did get in. And um, when I was in medical school, the thing I wanted to do most would be a surgeon because that was exciting. Dermatology was boring. And then Uncle Sam, he said, you know what, you need experience in surgery. So he sent me to Vietnam. During the Vietnam War, I was there in the, in the late 60s. So I got my fill of surgery. And then that, at that time, we were drafted. We didn't volunteer. And I spent one year there. And the next year, I went to Fort Lewis, Washington. And I was assigned partly to the dermatology clinic. And then I realized I liked dermatology. And then became a dermatologist. So my story is that, you know, you make your mark on the canvas of life and you let it direct you and you don't know where it's going to lead you, but you must let it happen. Most people don't let it happen. And I was going to limit myself. I was going to say, I'm not going to be good enough. I can't make it. But I just, I just tell you, if you have a dream, make it come true. That's so lovely. And I'm sure going to Vietnam you may have thought you wanted to be, go into surgery and then going there, maybe that was the universe putting you onto a different path because that, that must have been pretty intense. Absolutely, it was. So you have just come out of Vietnam and you 
start working in dermatology? And then how, how do you go from there to creating, you've created such an empire in your Dr. Murad brand of skincare. What was that path like? The path was treacherous. <laughs> As you know, you, you probably experienced it yourself. But you oh, know, yes. it, was, um, it was a journey. And basically, I, my mission had always been kind of the same. I, I didn't elucidate it the way I did when we first spoke. But the idea of helping people live happier, healthier, more fulfilling lives. And I was a dermatologist. I practiced in Los Angeles. I saw over 50,000 different patients in my lifetime. And I never had any acne patients. And people say, what kind of a dermatologist doesn't have any acne patients? I say, yeah, I had no acne patients. I had patients who had acne. So I treated people first and then their problem. And not exactly, but I would listen to them and I would care about them. I'd be interested in themselves. And I think it helped me be a better doctor. Is that what led you to think about how you start to treat skin from the inside out? Maybe. I mean, I think I'm not sure which came first or how they evolved together in mid-1980s, I decided to open up a, a spa, and it was called A Sense of Self. It was one of the very first day spas because they were, uh, we did massages, we did facials, we did electrolysis, we did all kinds of treatments, nail. And the idea was it was a haven to treat the whole person in a way. At the same time, with my pharmacy background, a lot of times I would uh, compound, written compound prescriptions for my patients for things that were not available. So they would come and I'd give them a prescription for something rather than just getting something off the shelf. And um, I got very interested in something called glycolic acid. I actually treated over 10,000 different patients with glycolic acid. And I said, gee, this is something amazing in my medical practice. I should make that available around the world and have no idea of how to do business or anything like that. One of the first things that I did was go back and again to start that spa, a sense of self, and began to sell products there. I decided, why don't I go further instead of just selling it in my office? And so I looked around and by I don't know how I met this person. I met him and he said, you know, I'd like to help you. And he helped me. He found the PR firm. He found the packaging that looked good and created that. All of those things that you need to start a business, which I had no experience with and no knowledge. And I did it. I fortunately had enough funds to start the business. And I remember going to my first trade show. And I was standing there telling people about glycolic acid. And they said, you're putting acid on people's face? That's ridiculous. <laughs> Nobody wanted to even listen to me. But I had before and after pictures, and I kept on going to trade shows. And so I was building this business. I wasn't really making any money, but I loved what I was doing. I was traveling on weekends and doing seminars and classes, as you know what you do. I opened something called Murad 365. It's actually changed the name to Murad Inclusive Health Center because I began to understand 
the concept of inclusiveness. Everything is connected. And I say something that people don't understand right away until I explain it to them. I say skin care is health care. The truth is, if you have beautiful skin, it's not just what you put on your skin. And the reverse is also true. If you have a bad heart, you're going to have a pallid skin. It's not going to look very good. If you have liver damage, it's going to be yellow. It's not, not going to be healthy. So the concept of really everything connected, and I call that inclusive, inclusive health, looking at you as a whole person. Well, we know you're best known for your skincare, but to us, you're best known for the water secret. (laughs) And so maybe can you talk about what the water secret is? And, you know, eating your water is one of our pillars of health. And we talk about it a lot at Saqqara. So could you explain it in your very own words? Okay. If I asked you or virtually anybody in the world, is your skin drier today than it was 10 years ago? The answer would be, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Everybody. Yep. As we go through life, going from a stage of full hydration to less and less hydration as we get older. So the idea is what we need to do is encourage hydration in every cell in your body because it's all connected. And I call it the four pillars. Number one pillar is taking care of your skin. You should use a moisturizer every day. You should use sunscreens every day. You should make sure you have antioxidants and anti-inflammatories in your products every day that you use on your body. And your body isn't just your face, it's everything else. So you take a bath, make sure you use good um, products on your body as well as your face. Um, But the face is what everybody looks at, face and hands. So what else can we do? The next thing we could do to encourage better hydration is exercise. And people say, you know, I'm exercising, I sweat, I lose water, I'm, I'm thirsty. You are, but you're building muscle. Muscle is 70% water, fat is 10% water. We know the more muscle we have, generally the healthier we are. But on the same benefit, we're healthier because we have more water in our body. The next thing is eating your water. If I asked anybody, what's your favorite food or vegetable? Whatever they say, the answer is, it's at least 80% water. So any fruit or vegetable is 80% water. And if you look at that water, an ounce of that fruit or vegetable is almost an ounce of water. So you're getting the same thing, but the water's in the structure and it's gradually released instead of going right through you into the toilet. And it has all kinds of phytonutrients, antioxidants, makes your body alkaline, resistant to cancer, bone loss, boosts your immune system, gives you more roughage, has so many more benefits. And it's not just fruits and vegetables. When you think about it, basically foods that you think are healthy for you also happen to have other benefits. So the more you eat of those fruits and vegetables, but there's also things like beans. There's about 70% water. They're dry when you start, but they absorb water. The higher the water content generally. So that means processed food, dry foods generally aren't going to be as healthy for you. And we know that's a fact. But the last thing is reduce your stress. That's easier said than done. And I believe there are two kinds of stress. There's what I call traditional stress. Traditional stress is like a broken arm, a death in the family. You know what happened to you, you treat it, you deal with it. But the stress that you can't control is what I call cultural stress. 
which is the stress of modern living. We're suffering through right now with COVID-19. The idea, we can't control it. It happened. We have no control over it. It's there. One is superimposed on the other. So the broken arm, you fix it, it gets better. But this cultural stress is constant, pervasive, and ever increasing. And it leads to a lot of disease. So let's look at the basic things that are happening to us. It's leading us to have a sedentary lifestyle. We don't go shopping anymore. We get everything delivered. We can just sit home and get anything almost delivered. So we just sit. And then we're sitting around. I know we're working hard, but we can turn on our TV and watch all kinds of shows on, on whatever media that we're watching. And we have friends uh, all over the place on the various media things, and we speak to them all the time. But leads us to have a very sedentary lifestyle, which leads to chronic disease, like diabetes, hypertension, obesity. Well, your knowledge and information that you shared around these different pillars definitely influenced Sakara and our way of eating and personally my life in that, you know, when we're talking about eating these hydrating foods, these fruits and vegetables that contain over 70 or 80% water content, how that doesn't, it doesn't just affect the youthfulness of your body, but it affects every system in your body as well. And for me, I thought that I was eating really healthy before, but I was eating a lot of those foods that didn't contain, that weren't high in water content, lots of different cereals and packaged foods, things that could live on my shelf for a long time because I was very busy. And it impacted me. It impacted my digestion. Things were not moving along as well as they should have been. And your digestion is highly correlated to the clarity of your skin. And so my skin was just absolutely terrible. And by this was one of the pieces in fixing my skin was increasing the amount of hydration in my body, but not through drinking water, through eating my water. Absolutely. I tell people when you go to the grocery store, don't go in the middle of the store because that's where all the packaged goods are. <laughs> go around the outside where the fruits and vegetables and, and the fresh food is. Yeah, your food's supposed to die, right? It's supposed to live. If it has life, then it's also supposed to die. You can't just live on a shelf forever. I really like the eat your water idea as well because, you know, Whitney and I often talk about how we feel like it's partly our job to seduce people into eating well and taking care of themselves. And what we mean by that is, you know, we could tell people to eat enough greens you know, for digestion or, you know, a healthy colon all day long. <laughs> and it's just not, you know, people don't get excited or don't feel inspired by that. But when we talk about eating your water and, you know, how much water romaine lettuce has and all of your greens have and how that impacts the youthfulness of your skin, people do feel inspired. And I don't care what gets people there, if it's, you know, their skin or their digestion or whatever it is. I'm just... I'm grateful that we have that tool that we can prove that eating this way really is the secret kind of fountain of youth. I, absolutely. And you know, the four pillars that I call, 
they're all connected. Whenever you strengthen any one of them, you're strengthening all the others. So the idea of just eating better is going to help you. I have a saying, before there was medicine, there was food. And so really, food is medicine. So it heals so many things. If you eat well, you're going to have less diabetes. You're going to have less cancer. You're going to have less heart disease. So you, you have all kinds of other benefits. It's not just that it's going to look better on your skin, but it's going to help every part of you. And again, the idea of the hydration is the most critical part. How we hydrate your body is so important. And one of the really most important pillars is eating your water. And when you're treating patients who have acne today and knowing everything you know about this inclusive lifestyle, including your different pillars, what does it look like to heal acne in your mind? What should somebody be doing? You know, I, again, to me, it's a total body approach. It's not just a topical or internal medical approach. So it's everything together. If nothing else, if you're, not, if you're under a lot of stress, you're not sleeping well, and one of the things of stress is you see red bumps on your face that feels like acne and is kind of acne. So stress causes acne. We know that. And one of the things that it does, by the way, talk about hydration, is the barrier function of the skin is damaged so that you begin to have the potential for more redness and inflammation in your skin. And that's another fact. So again, hydration is important and hydration you can do partway with eating your water. And, and when you eat your water, as you heal everything, you're going to heal everything else. We're finding receptor sites in your skin for stress, for sleep, and for other things. Applying products to your skin are going to help you sleep better, are going to help your acne reduce. So they're going to have an impact on the rest of your body, not just your surface of your skin. When we have less acne, we look better, we feel better about ourselves, we have more self-confidence, that's true, but it's deeper than that. There are physical things that are really happening, and a real strong pillar, to your point, is eating your water. And, you know, it, it just think about it. If you had your choice of processed food or a healthy salad, which is better for you? There's no question about it. No doubt that eating healthy, which means eating your water, is critical to every aspect of your health, not just your skin. Well, we saw that you are called the father of modern wellness. And it makes a lot of sense because, you know, I remember I would go to a lot of the dermatology appointments with Whitney and nobody ever wanted to say that her skin was connected to her diet and her lifestyle. It was always the opposite. It was, you know, we just have to treat topically, treat topically, sometimes with, you know, ingesting pharmaceutical drugs. But for the most part, it was really just talking about the acne and not ever really thinking about the root problem. And so I feel like you were really one of the first in your field to start talking about how inner wellness is radiates to every area of health, but especially skin health. And so is that where you kind of got that name, the father of modern wellness? I think so. I, um, I coined the term cultural stress 
which is the stress of modern living in 2003. And then I opened my inclusive health center before that. So the idea of it's been with me all along. I think people are beginning to realize it more and more. It takes a while to understand different points of view, different concepts, but really to understand wellness, it's not just about doing yoga and exercise, and I'm not against that, obviously, but it's a comprehensive approach. And again, one of the major pillars of it is eating your water. And can you talk to us about cellulite? Because I know you have a book about cellulite. What yeah. is it? And how, how can we have less of it? Okay, <laughs> Asking well, for someone else. Okay. <laughs> Asking for a friend. <laughs> I can tell you that I think women are smarter than men. They're prettier. They're more healthy. They take care of themselves better. But they're more likely to have cellulite than men. 90% cellulite is women. And it's actually a skin disease, not a fat disease. Cellulite is that orange peel look in your skin in the areas like in the buttocks and the, and the upper arm and in different places as well, where the fat gets trapped closer to the surface of your skin. We look at skin, there's the epidermis, then there's the dermis, and then there's the subdermal fat. Somehow, as the dermis of your skin is damaged, the cellulite, the little fat moves up to that center part of your skin, the, the epidermis, and it becomes entrapped in the collagen bundles and it forms the orange peel. Nutritionally, what's important is encourage better circulation and all the foods that we know of, and you can, you know, cayenne and different things that are healthier are important to help you with your cellulite. It is not a matter of just trying to lose weight because you could still have cellulite. You could be 90 pounds or you could be 190 pounds. And what's your opinion on dry brushing? Because a lot of people try and dry brush really hard to try and move the cellulite, but it sounds like you don't have to. No, I think gentle is better. And it's, it's not easy to get rid of. I mean, it's, there are different creams that encourage better circulation because ultimately what's happened is a circulation which resides in the dermis part. If you look at the skin, it's epidermis, and then there's a dermis, and then subdermal fat. Most of the blood vessels are in the dermis, and the blood vessels are weaker, so it allows migration of the fat to move into the space. And sometimes the fat gets entrapped with the collagen bundles, and you have the lumps that show up more. So as we strengthen our circulation, locally as well as systemically, we're going to have better results. But again, it's not a permanent solution. Well, I would say this is also where Eat Your Water comes into play. You can't have really great circulation, blood circulation, and circulation in your body without hydration. Absolutely. Totally connected. Mm -hmm. And you know all the nutritional things that are healthy for you, encouraging better circulation. So one of the things I like is the, I like pizza and I put the cayenne peppers on it. Uh, that seems to be one of the things that's really good. I add a bunch of leafy greens to my pizza and I pretend that I'm, it's a, it's a salad. It's not actually a pizza. That's right. So you can't, you can't see the cheese or the crust or any of it underneath there. You just hide it with enough arugula, pretend it's a salad. Like I said, before there was medicine, there was food. So if you ate well, you wouldn't need so much medicine. 
But before there was food, there was chocolate. <laughs> and you can have joy in your life. The and best if medicine. You enjoy it in your life, then that's fine because then you'll be happier, and being happier is going to make you more healthy and make you encourage you to eat better and then take better care of yourself. Yes, indeed. You are singing our song. We talk about the joy factor and how important that is to overall health. Absolutely. Well, I think that that is a great point to talk about light work. So light work is something we ask every guest to give at the end of every episode. And Whitney and I believe that everyone deserves to shine their brightest light. And so the light work is a challenge or an assignment to help us do that. Does that make sense? Yes. So I have a saying, allow the unique you to blossom. And the reason I say that is each one of us is uniquely talented. And though we assume that we have limits to our potential, the truth is our potential is truly unlimited. And I would like you to imagine a white piece of paper and in the middle of the white piece of paper, put a doodle. And if you show that doodle to 10 people and ask them, what does it look like? Without them listening to what anyone else says, they'll each come up with something. It looks like a bird. It looks like a frog. It looks like a leaf, whatever. But it, it doesn't matter what it is. The fact is you'll have maybe 10 different opinions if you give it to 10 different people. And but it'll be different. So each one of us is truly unique. Don't try to be like somebody else because they're gonna be better at being themselves than you will ever be. You can be the best you. You know, I say magic only happens when you create your own. Whatever people teach you, whatever they tell you is important. But what you teach yourself, what you learn from life's lessons is what's gonna take you to the next level. It's up to you. And you know, I could tell you, people tell me, what do I do? How do I have to eat better? Well, you can tell them you need more vegetables, but will you do it? It's up to you to make that change. Let the world take you on a journey that takes you to happiness, peace, love, and all of the things that you love. Mm, that's so, so beautiful. beautiful. I'm going to really work this week to make sure that I keep that visualization in my mind of that white space anytime I'm questioning myself or doubting anything to just remember that white space and and think of you know when you have an obstacle as an opportunity and think that failure leads to success and don't look at failure as leading to more failure absolutely mm -hmm. well thank you for these words of wisdom for all of the words of wisdom that you've shared with us over the years we really appreciate all that you do and hope that you keep keep coming up with these beautiful little tidbits and and challenges and things like this because they're they're really inspiring so thank you thank you for having me it's been a real pleasure thanks thank so you. much thank you well it's so refreshing to talk to yet another doctor that believes in the impact of our dietary choices and our lifestyle choices on the wellness of our entire body, but especially our skin. And I love how we went into this podcast thinking we were really just going to be talking about 
skin and mm-hmm. aging and how to cure acne and that he had so much to say about life. He's awesome. I know, but I just love each saying that he had. It really stuck with me and was so beautiful. He really has learned a lot over his years and it was great to hear that the journey is long. It has the peaks and it has the valleys, but that each thing that happens along the way is, is what's meant to be and it, it affects you in your own unique way. Mm-hmm. But back to skin, part of starting Sakar really was rooted in my personal skin journey and in using food as a tool to clear my skin. And what I didn't realize at the time was that I wasn't just healing my skin, I was healing my entire body. And so I'm so happy that that's what we get to help people with today, whether they're coming in to heal their skin or they want to lose five pounds or whatever it is that we're getting to help people transform their health on a, an entire body, physical, mental, spiritual level. And so here's a Sakara story from Jennifer. Jennifer says, I've been doing Sakara weekly for four weeks and eating really clean on weekends. I was very ill with several chronic autoimmune illnesses and seizures. Now I'm doing the best I ever have since before I got sick five years ago. I've been told by many doctors my disease will progress and I will only get worse, but I'm healing from the inside out. You can tell by my skin that was dull and is now glowing. I'm able to go to restorative yin yoga where before I was bedridden. I always felt like my issues started in the gut, but every test under the sun said my gut was fine. I'm happy to share this heartfelt thank you with you. It's very deep and sincere. Thank you for all that you do at Sakara. I'm working so hard to get my life back, and having Sakara at my doorstep makes it all much easier. Dr. Mirad's teachings were definitely inspiring to me when I was on my own skin journey and really looking for the solution. And as many of you know, if you've listened to our earlier podcasts and our own personal journeys of how we started Sakara, then you know skin is a big piece of what brought me to building Sakara. And so I thought today, Danielle and I would both give you a little look into my skin journey and what eventually worked for me, what eventually cured my cystic acne for good after trying literally everything under the sun out there. So I hope you find this beneficial, and if you're struggling with skin problems, whether it's acne or psoriasis, eczema, you name it, I hope that you get something out of this podcast and that it can be helpful to you. It's really cool to even hear you say like your cystic acne is gone for good. Sometimes when I think about witnessing you on your journey and then where you are today, sometimes I forget that you even had acne is so powerful because I remember times where you never thought it would be gone and had so much sadness and desperation to try and figure it out. And there was a lot of like hopelessness in that journey. Yeah, I think after going through so many years 
of trying so many different things and none of it working. You know, I was hitting that point of hopelessness and just thinking maybe this is the way it's going to be forever. Yeah. Can you kind of walk us through like when your skin stuff started and like paint the picture a little? Yeah. So I think that my skin stuff started when a lot of skin stuff starts for many people around that age of puberty. It was probably, you know, 12, 13, something like that. It started with just starting to get little bumps, maybe starting on my forehead and then migrating into my T-zone and then across onto my cheeks. And as the years went by, it got worse and worse. So it started out small and I was able to just have some bangs to cover my forehead, but then it spread to my cheeks and other areas of my face and where I couldn't really hide it anymore. So then I started covering it with lots of makeup. And this continued on all the way through high school, all the way through college, really hitting its point of, I'd say, getting to its peak at its worst post-college when I moved to New York City and was living that New York City life. And what were some of the things that you tried when you started really breaking out? Like, I remember you trying a lot of stuff in high school. What were some of those things? Well, I think, you know, I was reading everything and trying everything. And I think you start with the easy stuff. You hear acne is caused by bacteria on the skin. And so your goal is to eliminate as much bacteria as possible. So you start by changing your pillowcases every night and changing your shampoos and your hair products and keeping your hair off your face. You wash your makeup brushes every day. Maybe you even try going without makeup for certain days because maybe that's clogging your pores. You switch your face wash and your moisturizers. You start wearing different topicals that have antibacterials in them, salicylic acid and benzoyl peroxide and all these different things that then start drying out your your skin because they're so harsh and they're trying to work to, to kill the bacteria. And when none of that works, then you start going to see the dermatologist and the dermatologist starts you light and maybe with some prescription topicals, things like clindamycin, which is a topical antibiotic. Maybe you move to a Retin-A, which is a vitamin A uh, topical that you put onto your skin, which also is super potent and dries out your skin and you're red and you're flaky and it's painful. I tried the different gels. I tried, you know, lots of different topicals. Then they move you on to the things that you ingest. So I was doing rounds and rounds of antibiotics. This is so overwhelming already. It really is. Well, and then they say, okay, it's probably your hormones. So there's two directions to go there. There's birth control pills, which they put me on birth control pills. And there's spironolactone. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but that's an androgen blocker. And so both of those are trying to control your hormones through these pills. And I was on, you know, that put me on the birth control track for a number of years, thinking that that would help by regulating my hormones. 
Did any dermatologist ever ask you like what you were eating or test your microbiome or have any kind of conversation with you about something other than like antibiotic or topical? Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, I, I would ask dermatologists questions about my diet. I would ask them if, you know, what they would recommend that I would eat, what do they recommend that I don't eat? And most of them would say, no, no, this has nothing to do with diet. All of those things about pizza and chocolate, that's all a myth. Like this is not your fault. This is your hormones. This is bacteria on your skin. And we need to just attack it. And yeah, it's the germ theory. It's like if you can, it's everything is due to germs. And if you can just bomb out the germs, then you'll be fine. Yeah. And so I went down this path. So I did the topicals. I did these ingestibles, I guess you could call them these medications. (laughs) And then I went to, I, I think actually from there, I went to the next level of medications, which was Accutane. You know, I had tried so many different things at that point that doctors were saying, look, this is really your last solution. And to me, I thought it sounded like a great solution. Okay, it's a high dosage of vitamin A that you ingest, you take internally, and it shrinks your oil glands from the inside. And side effects of that, if you're shrinking your oil glands, which the oil is there to keep your skin moisturized and hydrated, the result is then dry, flaky, cracked skin. And it's not just on your face. I was going to say that's just on the outside, right? It's all over your body. And can I ask you a question? Do you think that they treat acne? Like, I guess where I have a hard time with, I mean, there's so many things that are difficult to hear in this story, but it's like, do you think they think of curing your acne as like, oh, it's kind of a favor to you because it's just this cosmetic issue, but it's not really a disease. Like if you were coming in with something internal or quote more serious like I guess I just wonder like where on the spectrum do dermatologists or and not to call it dermatologists necessarily but do doctors look at acne as like the cure is just so you can have nice skin it's not really like a disease that we need to get at the root cause of I think the doctors were taking it seriously I think that they understood how much acne affects the mentality of the mm-hmm. patient and can see the emotion behind it. Doctors inherently, they do want to do good. They do want to help people. Totally. And these were the tools that they had and the knowledge that they had. You know, this was over 10 years ago. This was at least 15 years ago. I was doing the Accutane. And, you know, I think they, they were treating it just like they would treat anything else. Other disease. Yeah, these are the tools that we have. Here's the procedures. Here's the protocol. Now go and do it. Yeah, I guess what's missing for me, but maybe this is just something that's missing in a lot of typical Western medicine modalities is like really trying to understand what was going on in your body versus just trying to like take a pill to make it go away. Well, what they understood to be going on in my body was they thought that my skin was producing too much oil and... So they needed Mm. to just stop the oil, right? And Accutane would stop the oil. They didn't take it a step deeper and say, well, what is causing this imbalance of oil? Or, Mm -hmm. okay, this is because of hormones. 
well, what's causing this imbalance in your hormones? And I think that now there's a lot more conversation around that, getting down to the root cause, getting down to the why, because if your hormones are out of balance, there are other solutions than just, okay, let's put you on birth control for the rest of your life. Yeah. Right. Which Elisa Vitti, who has come on our podcast before, she talks about that as being a band-aid for your hormones where you can take the birth control pills. But once you get off, if you haven't treated what was going on before you got on the birth control pills, that's going to come back and you're going to have to deal with it again. So did the Accutane work? No. I'll also mention that, you know, along with all of the birth control (laughs) that they put me on for the Accutane, they also put me on Prozac because suicide can be a symptom, a side effect, I mean, of taking Accutane. So this is a pretty serious drug. It's a pretty serious drug that they're putting a lot of teenagers on for acne. And I think there's not a lot of research around long-term effects on gut health with Accutane either. Yeah, I was going to ask you, do you think it's had long-term effects for you? I think that all of this has had long-term effects on me. Yeah. You know, it's hard mm-hmm. to pinpoint, was it Accutane or was it the years of my life? Rounds of antibiotics. Taking, yeah, taking antibiotics. Yeah. But I'd say that I, I definitely feel like my immune system is more sensitive because of all of that, that I have to work hard to keep it balanced, to keep it strong, that it can be thrown out of, of balance through you know, sugar, alcohol, stress, eating poorly, not sleeping, all the things Mm -hmm. that affect most people. (laughs) Yeah. It's like your check engine light comes on a little sooner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so acne starts really young, like junior high gets worse and worse over time. You've tried antibiotics. So then you move to New York after college and it's even worse than before. So you start reaching out to the dermatologist here and what's your path and what's your level of desperation? Like, how are you feeling? Well, at this point, I had just graduated college. I'm living in a new city. I have a new job. I'm just starting out my career, just starting my real adult life out in the world. And this acne is at an all-time worst, just big, red, painful cysts all over my face. and it was affecting every area of my life. It really affects your confidence level because it's right there on your face. It's, you can't hide it. You wear it when you walk into a room. You think everybody is looking at it. You know, I didn't want pictures taken of me. I know you felt similarly with your journey around your body. And we, we both yeah. look for pictures from before. <laughs> <laughs> and there really aren't any because we just like... Not a mistake. <laughs> Yeah, deleted everything. Yeah. And yeah, so I was thinking about my future and feeling like if only, if only I had clear skin, I would feel like XYZ. I would I would achieve XYZ in my career, in my love life. And I kind of started putting a lot of my maybe even like my struggles or insecurities or everything, I could just kind of like blame on this acne too. And I know that's something that we also talk about with weight and with everything else is that it's 
an easy thing to start to hide behind and saying, if I had clear skin, I would be more successful or I would find the love of my or life. Confident or, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, maybe all of that is true, but I think that part of the process is reversing that feeling, getting behind it and starting to just stand in yourself of like, this is who I am and start to feel the things that you want to feel before that change happens. I think that that's Mm -hmm. truly part of the change. And we can get into, you know, the nutrition side of things and what ultimately helped. But I do think this from a mental perspective, making that shift to say, okay, I'm going to start being that person today. Like I'm not going to wait to have clear skin to Mm -hmm. do those things in life. I'm going to start doing those things today. I really do think that that had an impact as well. Yeah, for sure. And so when I think about your journey and remembering kind of what it was like to be at that rock bottom with you, what were some of the things, and I think we should include nutrition, but like what were some of the things that started to lift you up out of rock bottom? And, you know, we've talked a lot about what you've tried in terms of pharmaceutical drugs and intervention, but you were also trying a lot of different like cleanses and, you know, no pizza, no chocolate, no nuts, no this, no that. Can you talk about that part of the journey too? And then when you started to see the light at the end of the tunnel? Well, so in New York, I went to see so many different doctors. I was reading about them in all of the glossy magazines and thought they have to they have to have the cure they have to have the solution for me so one by one i went to see them and one by one they told me okay here's another prescription for another round of antibiotics 3 months and i said no i'm not going to do that and they're like okay here's a prescription for accutane you need to do it again i said no that didn't work for me either i'm not going to do that again and nobody had any other ideas nobody had any other options And so I started to look to more Eastern modalities for help. I tried different Chinese herbs and saw a Chinese medicine doctor. I tried acupuncture. I was trying, you know, all these different types of diets and cleanses, which, you know, I thought like inside, I thought there could definitely be something to do with my nutrition that is causing this. Maybe it's some sort of vitamin imbalance. I didn't know. So I just went down this path of, of trying and you read all these things and it talks so much about elimination. You know, you need to do the candida cleanse and it's eliminating sugar and eliminating grains and eliminating fruit and eliminate, eliminate, eliminate. And we know what happens when you eliminate everything out of your, your diet. I mean, you tried to live on water. It doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, it does not work. It does not work. <laughs> and... Nobody was talking about gut health and about balancing these bacterias. That was really something that we came to in our journey of creating Sakara, where we started to look at what does total body health look like? Not just trying to fix the skin, but the whole system, looking at the body as a whole system, looking at what to eat for microbiome health, and ultimately, that was what did it for me, was nourishing the body, getting it to a place where it was really, really healthy, instead of trying to attack it all day long to kill this bacteria. And it's funny what you said earlier about 
I remember kind of when we both decided that it was time to not let the things that we were blaming for holding us back, like your skin and, you know, my relationship to my body, when we both decided like we were just going to fake it till we made it kind of mentality, like you're a person with clear skin and I'm a person with great confidence about my body. And then kind of how that coincided with the act of nourishment and that those two things followed. That I think the more you can step into the shoes of the person that you want to become, the more you want to nurture that and nourish that. And, you know, when I think about Sakara being born and, and how this nutrition program changed our lives, like it was born out of us deciding that we were really worthy of stepping into our power and, you know, trying on those shoes, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Worthy of nourishment, worthy of feeling good, worthy of receiving all of those things we wanted to receive in life, like success, like life partner, you know, all of those things. Being on a mission, Mm -hmm. helping others. Yeah. So we hit our rock bottom together. You seeing all the dermatologists in the city that were just telling you the same things and you had to take your health into your own hands and get at the root cause of what was going on. And what I see now is that this P. acne bacteria that everybody was talking about and everybody was trying to kill is actually a bacteria that lives on all of our skin in harmony. It's a symbiotic bacteria that has a, it actually has a job to do with our skin and it helps with the the oil process and it helps the process of the oil moving through the follicle and out the pore and, and it's beneficial to our bodies as long as it's in, in balance, in harmony. And it's the same, just like with many bacterias or yeasts or fungi in the body that we have this ecosystem that when in balance, everything can live together well. And it's when things fall out of balance that we start to have these problems and it can show up in many different forms like acne or other skin problems, eczema, psoriasis, or it can show up as yeast infections or bacterial vaginosis. It can show up as tonsillitis or sinus infections, migraines can show up in a lot of different areas. And so my bacteria was out of balance. Not only because you had been on that path of antibiotics, but also had been trying all these cleanses and thinking about what you weren't eating instead of what you were every single day. So what was the path to, what were the things that you believe really transformed your skin and, and how did Dr. Murad's teachings play into that? Right. So once we both decided that we were going to start nourishing our bodies and stop biting them all the time, we started to eat for total body health and for microbiome health. And so that really starts with getting enough plant fiber into my diet. I'd say that was one of the the biggest helps. Um, I was really focused on eliminating all of these different things out of my diet and I wasn't focused enough on what I was eating. So that's where that, you know, six cups of leafy greens comes into play, getting enough leafy greens, getting enough plants. And once we started to learn this, I, I guess I was almost trying to cheat in a way where I was eating these 
high fiber cereals with almond milk because I was also eliminating dairy. And I was eating raw trail mixes and um, all these different types of what you would consider to be fiber, but they were all really dry and dehydrating, you know, fiber crackers and things, things that could sit on my shelf for a long time. And that's where Dr. Mirad's concept of eating your water really came into play. And that was an aha moment of, oh, wow, if your body is not getting enough hydration from the food that you're eating, it's going to pull hydration from your body to digest those foods. And what that can do is if you don't have enough hydration in your body, it can lead to things like constipation. You might be eating all the fiber in the world, but still be constipated. And, you know, this isn't sexy to talk about, but I was definitely constipated. And I think, you know, at a young age, you don't know that you should Mm -hmm. be going to the bathroom every single day. But that was a problem for me. And so eating- it was indicative of your gut health. Absolutely. And so by eating my water, eating foods that were high in water content, over 90% water content, things like leafy greens and, and melons and cucumbers, all of these different plants, my digestive system started to change and it started to flow again. And when things get backed up in, in your digestive system, a lot can start to happen. That's where you can start to get bacterial imbalances. You can start to get things like leaky gut. You can reabsorb different toxins if it's sitting in your, in your system for too long and not getting eliminated. Like these are our elimination pathways, right? It's supposed to be, it's like taking out the trash. You don't want that trash to be sitting in your apartment for days and days and days. You know what happens when you do that, right? And so we need to be taking out our own trash every day, keeping our bodies clean and so that they can function properly. So that was a really big, you know, aha moment for me of, okay, I need to get, if I'm thinking that part of my skin problem has to do with perhaps a toxin buildup in my body, I need to get my elimination pathways running properly first and foremost. And so eating foods that were really hydrating helped with that. Yeah. And that's something that Dr. Mirad really taught us, right? Was that you have to eat your water and you just spoke to kind of how we fell upon that, but I loved how he talked about the science of it and what it means to eat your water and focus on hydrating foods and how that water has a very different impact from like a cellular perspective than just drinking water and the importance of drinking water alongside eating your water and how they do two different things in the body. Right. Drinking your water is great for kind of flushing the system. It goes through your body more quickly than eating your water when you eat foods that are high in water content. The water is trapped within the web of fiber and nutrients. It's inside of this food and it moves through the digestive system along with the food. And so it stays in your body longer, helping to hydrate your system on a different type of level than just drinking your water. So both are really important, definitely both important to overall health and skin health, but you can't really do one without the other. You, you need to be doing both, both parts. And Dr. Mirad was really one of the first dermatologists to even talking about nutrition 
as a piece of the puzzle. And he's really known for his skincare line, but he started to take into account nutrition and thoughts and stress and lifestyle and, and include that as a piece of the puzzle. So he definitely was on our same wavelength when it came to getting down to the root cause of what was creating skin problems. Yeah. So you were eating differently. You were focusing on getting enough of the good stuff every day and the good stuff being plants, fiber, eating your water, so fresh produce, not just like the crackers on the shelf, um, you know, superfoods, really nourishing. How did you know that it was working? When did you start to realize it was working? I think even within the first week or two, I started to notice a difference. It was probably noticing the difference within my digestive system first and my energy levels and my brain clarity, just overall starting to feel better. And then I started to notice, oh, my the inflammation in my skin is starting to go down a little bit. I'm not quite as red. I'm not getting quite as many huge cysts on my face. And it definitely took some time. If I think about like how long it really took to heal my skin. I mean, it's hard to think back to that, but it was, you know, definitely a good three to six months before it was really healed. Like it took time to get to the point where I was and it takes time to heal. But looking back now, a decade later, putting in that, that time and effort in those, you know, for six months is such a short amount of time compared to having clear skin for years and years after. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what I learned was I thought that it was just skin. I thought that that was my main problem, but you know, I had other imbalances. My vaginal ecosystem was not balanced. And especially around times of my period, around my cycle, I also was having anxiety and now knowing what we know about microbiome health and how all of these systems are connected I realized it was all stemming from the same thing. And once I was able to heal my gut and really strengthen my immune system through food and nutrition, all of those things healed together. Did you feel like in that three to six months, there were other signs that you were in at least heading in the right direction of healing your skin? Like, did you notice small shifts that like, kept you motivated or how did you stay motivated to keep going if you weren't sure it was having an impact? I think it was both physical and mental. The more that we learned about microbiome health and about the power of food as medicine, the more it excited me to keep going. And the more even after and when we started offering this food and this nutrition to other people, seeing their transformations too really got me motivated. Okay, this can work for other people. This is definitely going to work for me. And I think having that community of people who were sharing their Sakara stories with me, you know, before Sakara stories even existed, really also helped keep me motivated. And even still to this day, because ultimately... This isn't something that you can just heal and then go back to the way things were before and 
treat your body like shit and live whatever type of lifestyle, craziness, not sleep, not take care of yourself, have negative thoughts, all of that. You can't just go back to that after this. You have to embrace the new lifestyle of taking care of yourself and nourishing yourself, nourishing that gut bacteria and getting in tune with your own body intelligence that it becomes that check engine light. Like you're just saying of, okay, you're starting to fall out of balance. You need to look at your lifestyle and, and what's going on there. What are you eating? How are you sleeping? How are you feeling? All of these different things, all these different aspects that go into it and make sure that you are taking care of yourself. Otherwise you can slip back into yeah. the place of imbalance. Yeah. It's like, we talk about this a lot, but now you have your toolkit. So like, you know, what your, what tools you have and what tools are needed in order to keep your skin clear. And what other effects do you think clearing your skin had on your health? Like basically you just started transforming your health and that's what transformed your skin. So did you feel other effects as well? Yeah. I mean, I never felt better in my body overall. I was in better shape. My skin was better. I had more energy, definitely more brain clarity. My anxiety went away. And I think, you know, all of that comes from, like we talk about starting with the inputs first, starting with making sure your body's getting what it needs in order to function properly and trying to reduce the amount of stressors on the body as much as possible like food stressors, nutrition stressors, things like, for me, coffee, alcohol, sugar, bread, bread, meat, cheese, coffee, alcohol, the five major food groups of a New Yorker. <laughs> um, or anyone, really. Yeah. And also that mental piece where I spent a lot of time focusing on that acne, looking at it in the mirror. I had to say, I'm going to stop spending my time giving this Thing, energy. I'm going to stop looking at it in the mirror. I'm going to stop having conversations with myself about it in the mirror. I'm going to stop wishing it were different, all of those things. And I'm going to dedicate that time to being in service to somebody else. And so I needed to shift that. And I thought, okay, every time I start on this, I'm going to, what can I do for somebody else? Can I call a friend, call my mom? you know, volunteer, put my energy into working for somebody else. And when we started Sakara, that was a huge place for me to put that time and focus was, okay, we're going to help other people, as many people as possible, feel the same transformation that we were feeling. And so really shifting that energy to be instead of focusing on myself, to being in service to others. I think that you're really brave to share all this. I think back to when it was the last thing you wanted to talk about and the last thing that you wanted to admit to yourself or others. And I've witnessed and you know heard about so many people either coming up to you or writing to you about how you've helped them with their skin and their transformation. And even though it was such a hard thing for you to go through, I think 
ultimately it's ended up being such a gift that you give or have been able to give to others is the hope that you can transform and really like sit in the driver's seat of who you want to become and how you want to show up in the world. Thanks. I I mean, if I have one message for people is that it is possible, that there is hope, that there is a solution and it takes work. It takes effort. You know, it's not easy to change your lifestyle. It's not easy to change your nutrition and your thoughts and how you live and how you feel about yourself, but it's doable and it's not just going to help clear your skin, but it's going to help in so many areas of your life for today and in the long term for your future. So it's worth it. It's worth the time. It's worth the money. It's worth the energy. And I think doing it for yourself is the, the best gift that you can give yourself. And if you don't have your, your health, what do you have? And if you can give that to yourself, then you can be in service to others. And so the, you know, if you fill up that cup of yours and you have more to give to everybody else. So it's worth the time, worth mm-hmm. the energy. Got to keep shining your light. Yeah, for sure. All right, Sakara Lights. Well, hopefully you found that story inspiring and helpful as well as all of Dr. Murad's teachings. And before we sign off for good, Whitney, do you have light work that you'd like to share with everyone? Yeah, I want to challenge people. Well, two things. One, I want to challenge people to eat their water. So to really focus on getting that either that six cups of leafy greens or getting hydrating vegetables into every single meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So whether that's cucumbers or romaine lettuce, you know, you can Google any type of vegetable, fruit or vegetable and see its water content online and make that a a part of every single meal or start with the next four weeks and see how it makes you feel. And notice how it changes your digestive system, your energy levels, your skin. So that's the first part. And then the second part is I want to challenge everyone to make that shift from having negative self-talk, whether it's about your skin or your body, whatever it might be, that as soon as you start noticing you're having that conversation with yourself in the mirror, I want you to pick up the phone and call somebody and ask them how you can be of help or to just hold space and listen to them. Ask somebody else how they're doing. How are they feeling? How can you be a better friend or coworker or family member to somebody else? And if you need to write yourself a note and stick it on the mirror as a reminder, do that. So those are my two light work challenges. I love that. That's good for those of us that even aren't dealing with skin issues, but like anytime we feel ourselves like having that negative self-talk to transform it into an opportunity to give to someone else. Thanks, Whit. Your skin's looking great. Thank you. If you have a Sakara story that you would like to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at sakarastories at sakaralife.com. That's S-A-K-A-R-A-S-T-O-R-I-E-S at sakaralife.com or send us a DM at sakaralife. Don't forget to hit subscribe for the Sakara Life podcast and share this episode with anyone you think needs to hear what we talked about today.
And don't forget about the light work. It might feel a little hard, a little uncomfortable, but it's supposed to. The whole idea is that we lean into what's uncomfortable so we all get to shine our lights a little brighter. And we'll see you on the other side, Sakara Lights. 